Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open or you love the convenience of no-shell pistachios like myself, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack for when hunger strikes. And there are a bunch of tasty flavors to choose from too, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a tradition-rich sport. I'm not looking to disrupt the tradition in all ways. I'm looking to embrace the tradition, but sprinkle a little something extra on it. I want our race week to have the cultural importance of the Kentucky Derby, the Final Four, the Super Bowl. I want people to come to Nashville for an entire week. I want them to look at their Instagram and go, why was Ludacris in Nashville last weekend? Why, why, why was Bam out of bio in, in Nashville last weekend? They were there for a NASCAR race? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why they were there. Right. I was told by, you know, some smart people, some people I respect, never be the smartest person in the room. I don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about that today because Eric Moses is here with us. Yes, Moses. Too kind. <laughs> in intellect, man, just... You just, call you, him a genius. Why you call him a genius, He's a genius. Bro? That's how you're going to give him all that love? Bro, did you did you know what he did? Man, I, I'm going to go to my notes, man. <laughs> <laughs> UNC, Duke holds a, a member of the bar in both Maryland and D.C. What, you know, why would I call you a genius? Well, it has been said by nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Not even my kids. Um, but thank you. Yes. No, I, you know, education was important to my family. And uh, unlike you gentlemen, I knew I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. Nobody's going to pay me for what this body could do. And so uh, I pretty much always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I could write. I could make a halfway persuasive argument. Uh, I was a logical and linear thinker, and, and my father, my biological father, was an attorney and had lots of attorneys in the family, so that was just something I wanted to do from as long as I can remember. And B.A. from UNC. Correct. Mm. J.D. from Duke. Correct. What, why, why, are you on, why did you pursue this path? Why was, you're, you're now the president of Nashville Super Speedway. Yeah. A man with a JD from Duke University, one of the most prestigious universities in the world. Right. And now you're the president of a super speedway in Nashville. Like, take us there. Like, well, how does that happen? I thought you'd be, you know, doing something else. Would be my would be my assumption. It's funny because I don't think of it as a as that big of a leap, right? I was someone who went to school to law school thinking I was going to be an agent because I wanted to protect people like you guys. I went to Carolina, I had friends that, that ended up playing pro ball. 
basketball, football. Yep. But I had seen those folks lose their opportunities to make generational wealth because of bad advice, unscrupulous, you know, advisors, um, poor decisions about money and stuff. And so I wanted to make certain that my friends had that very short window of right. time to to capitalize on your unique skills and abilities that they were going to be protected and they were going to have somebody who didn't want to just make money off of them, but wanted to protect their interests. And so I went to law school thinking I was going to be an agent uh, at Duke. Drew Rosenhaus, who you all know, represented his first client as a second-year law student at Duke, Robert Massey, who was a cornerback for Detroit, who went to North Carolina Central. Wow. And so I heard about that and thought, okay, like, this is the right place for me to go. Oh, that was Drew's start? Yeah, as his first client. Now, he, he, he worked for an agent in Florida, I think, before law school. But while he was a second-year law student, he didn't even pass the bar. He wasn't even a lawyer yet. Wow. He signed Robert. Wow. And so that inspired me. And I thought, OK, well, this is the way to go do that. And this is the place to do that. And then I had the very good fortune of sitting in on Grant Hill's interviews of agents. Falk and Bill Strickland and all these guys came through, Tadina Ussery. Um, How did you get that access, though? Because uh, Coach K and one of our law professors had set up this thing to allow uh, parents and, and the athletes to screen agents who are interested. So there was a process that allowed them to, you know, have some scrutiny right. uh, put right. on put on them. And I think that benefited the student athletes, right, right, and their families. And so they invited one or two of us to sit in because they knew we were interested in being agents. Right. And uh, learned a lot there. Grant is a unique athlete and a unique individual and comes from a very unique family. He didn't need an agent, right. you know, given who he, he is. And But it dawned on me pretty quickly that it wasn't going to be my way to chase 20 and 21 year old kids around the country to get them to sign with me so I could pay my law school loans. Mm. So uh, decided I wanted to go into to entertainment law and I'd find my way to sports at some point and ended up being a communications attorney in Washington, D.C., buying and selling TV and radio stations for large commercial broadcast clients and, uh, and loved it. It, it. You know, it wasn't being in Hollywood and it wasn't representing guys right. like you, but it was close enough that I felt like, okay, I can get there from here. Right. I've always loved the business of sports. Mm-hmm. I was somebody who, who read, you know, Sports Illustrated, uh, Entertainment Weekly, Variety, you know, uh, all those magazines that used to be out because I wanted to know how the deals got done. Right. You know, how, how did Brandon sign that long-term deal? Right. Why? You know, was it incentive laden or was it a big base? You know, um, What's a roster bonus? Why does he get that? All those kinds of things were really important to me. And so finding my way to the business of sports was something that took me a good part of my career. But once I got there, I wasn't turning back. And this is a natural extension of that. I wasn't even going to go here, but now listening to you, what's the problem now? With eight, with agents, with agents, right, with right. signing. Yeah, yeah. Like, you took us to a whole nother one. Yeah, I wouldn't even go ahead. This I don't way even know what we're going to talk about last <laughs> story in Nashville. So, so you've done so much research about this. What, what, what's your biggest issues with you were an inspiring agent, and now you're seeing what these dudes are doing. You're seeing where the NBA is going. A league ran by the players, somewhat, and I heard that's going to change with the next CBA. And now the NFL, where we're trying to gain that power. Like, what, what's how can the players, we're a player show, how can the players get that power back? What's the problem right now with the structure of sports? So the way I was coming to it was, what do you really care about? Like, if you think about the way that collegiate and professional sports have been set up in this country for as long as I can remember, there's incentive to keep the players uninformed. 
so that everybody can profit off of your capabilities and your skills. That's not right. That's not right. You come from a, a community and a family where you may be the first to go to college and have a unique opportunity. Why shouldn't you be allowed to have an advisor who can tell you how you should be thinking about those opportunities? Because they want to keep you dumb so that people can profit off your talent. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that personally I'm, I'm offended by. Mm. And I think there's a better way. And what we're seeing happen now, y'all gonna get me in trouble. I like you. Um, <laughs> I like you. Are you just make sure I can come work for the show after I get my pink slip. Like to get messy. Yeah, and we like you. I think what the NCAA is experiencing now is kind of the fruit of a rotten tree. Had they changed? years ago mm. and let you guys profit from your name on the back of a jersey, the EA sports game that features clearly the player who's supposed to be you, right, all right. that stuff. But they gave us $5. <laughs> right, right. And don't yeah, spend right. it all in one place. <laughs> right. um, th then I think maybe we'd be in a different place, but held on too long because people like total power and not just some, and folks got fed up. And now you're seeing, you're, you're seeing the result of that. And who knows? I mean, if the Power Five breaks off and decides they no longer need the NCAA, wow. there's a whole different world out there. Yeah. And, that, and I'm not the first person to mention that. I mean, that, that's out there in the, in right. the ether, right? So right. Mm -hmm. we'll see. We, on our L.A. show, Swaggy P, Nick Young, he, mm -hmm. he talked about this because we, we had a whole show on name, image, likeness is what we're talking about, collegiate athletes being able to monetize or you know, optimize their opportunity in college off their name, image, and likeness. And he said, like, this is just a pacifier. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, it's still, what, a billion dollar industry. Mm -hmm. So what they're saying is, like, everybody's like, Chan, oh my goodness, July 1, we can now go, you know, uh, monetize and capitalize off of our name, image, likeness. And now you have all these athletes running out there representing themselves. There's only a few, the top 1% that's actually, that has representation. They're saying, okay, go ahead. Y'all can go make money off of it, but do it yourselves. There are some universities out there that are trying to put a system around it yep. and, and help out. But at the end of the day, why aren't we getting a piece of that pie? When we talk about billions, you know, like in the National Football League, it's a $16 billion industry, okay? And so we have a piece of that pie. That's what our collective bargaining agreement says. That's what the Players Association does. It represents the players in so many different ways, but that's just one of them. And so like, when you think about name, image, likeness, this is just the start of it. There's so much more work to be done because they're not giving a piece of the pie. And that actually hinges on whether or not you view the student athletes as amateurs or professionals mm -hmm. and whether they are employees or not. And that is percolating through the court system now Look, I'm somebody who loves college sports. My favorite thing in the world is Carolina basketball. I don't want to see that changed fundamentally. I think there's a, a way to get to a place that's more fair, but that is still distinguishable from professional sports. Mm -hmm. And we're not at that balance yet, in my opinion. And so I, I think there's a way to, to get closer to that. And then if you don't want to do that, if you don't value the education or the experience, and you know from being at, at, at schools, it's not just what you learn in, in, in the classroom, it's the relationships, it's the networks you build, frankly, the brand builders, That's right. right? Everybody who's a Gator fan, yeah. right? They're looking out for you in the league. That's, that's helpful to building your brand. But you've got overtime and you've got the G League and you have these alternatives 
that if a kid wants to come out of high school and wants to get paid for his talent and doesn't want to go to school and get a scholarship and maybe some NIL money and some other little stuff, then there's a path for that as well. I think we can get to a, a more happy medium right. because I think pros in college should be differentiated and distinguished enough that, that you can tell the difference. Right. We'll move on after this. <laughs> We'll move on. Because the, 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 yeah, I got to. He started, I'm sorry. I started. He started. No, 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 no. no. You started it. But we'll move on after this because what you done with NASCAR, man, and Nashville Motor, I mean, Super Speedway, sorry, and, and everything going. Super. Yeah, yeah on super, super. Because yeah. Yeah. yeah, Father's Day 2021, which y'all did, I'm going to bring it up. But I got to ask one more thing. Bro, is there a reason for the NCAA? Yeah, I think there was a reason in the beginning. I think. Um, without some kind of governing body that pulls all of these hundreds of schools together to have some common set of rules around competition, then it'd be the Wild West. And, and, and that's what happened when football first started. And that wasn't good, I think, for the, for the athletes. And I don't think it was good for the, for the sport. And so, yeah, you know, the NCAA has, has, they negotiated the television deals, right? Like, there's benefit to it. It just needs to be adjusted in ways that don't completely take advantage of, of the athletes. And I'm not one of these people who says, oh, a college scholarship to Florida or UCF or whatever doesn't have a value. It certainly has a value. And that right. experience has a value. Carolina changed my life. Right. Right. And so it has True. a value. Right. But, you know, that television contract, those sold jerseys and that other mm -hmm. stuff has a value, right. too. What, what, I, what I love about our, this format and this platform is we don't really get to see people outside the box, outside of what they do. We don't see them for who they are, right? And so, you know, actually this conversation is highlighting you, uh, but we are here to talk about NASCAR. Uh, but but I, I just love getting into your brain and hearing your thoughts on these things because that is almost like the foundation, not only of who you are, but your family. You say, I come from a family of attorneys, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to push it forward, you know, I, I, Nashville emphasis on super yeah. speedway, that pin that's on your on your on your jacket. What does that mean to you? Like, what does that represent? Just a really great opportunity for our sport. Right. Um, we had the honor and privilege of bringing Cup Series racing back to a market that was thirsty for it for the first time in 37 years. Right. They hadn't run the cup cars in Nashville since 1984 down at the old fairground speedway. It's a big deal. You know, people love our sport in Nashville and in Tennessee in general and in that part of the country. I mean, this is a sport that grew out of this, the American South, <laughs> right? It has its very roots in this region. And so not to have the highest level of competition in our sport in that market in particular, also one of the hottest markets in the country right now, didn't make a whole lot of sense, and I'm glad that NASCAR and our partners in Dover Motorsports, who I work for, uh, realized that and, right. and allowed us the opportunity to, to bring the Super Speedway back. It had been opened in 2001, uh, operated for 10 years, running trucks and Xfinity cars and doing some open wheel races, some Indy car races, but could never get a cup race. And uh, so they closed it down for 10 years. And, uh, and, and I was fortunate to, uh, to have the opportunity to help bring that, that venue back online and bring it online for the best of the best to run in our market. So it's been great. Music City, it's a place people want to be, and we want to give them one more reason to come. Man, I got to bring my notepad, because this, <laughs> this man is too successful, man. I was trying to hide it. But I brought up Father's Day 2021. First NASCAR Cup Series race in Nashville. 
So it's 84. Correct. And the first grandstand sellout in NASCAR since the pandemic started. And that was under you, right? Me and a, a very broad team. A lot, a lot of people. We come from team. We come from the team. We get that. We know how successful people want to, uh, you always want to push the success off of you. What did that day, Father's Day 2021, was, was that a culmination of something? What did that mean to you? It's hard to describe. So, so if, if I can uh, ramble a little bit, but answer that. Yeah, I think before I took on this role, I was the team president of the DC Defenders in the XFL. Brand new startup, professional football league. We know. Right? <laughs> Trying to stand up a whole league and a team at the same time. It was my dream job to that point in my career. Uh, Pep Hamilton was my coach. Great man, great relationship. That gets snatched away because of COVID. Whole league goes under, everything shuts down. So I am, for the first time in my life, underemployed. Right? But, but, but before you move on, while you rambling, let me interject. That was also a moment for you as well because you guys had the number one team during that time, right, Chad? Chad, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. yeah. So be, while you rambling, make sure you they insert were nice the most important part. <laughs> we, we, we were doing all right. We were y'all doing all right. Why are, y'all, why are y'all successful people so modest? Right. This is this is different between the athlete. The athlete balling, they balling. Is y'all successful? What are your responsibilities as president? <laughs> what is your responsibility as track president? Uh, everything. What? Okay. Yeah. yeah right. 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 Yeah. We sorry. 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 We just we just know what you we know what you've done. So Presidente. So the team is done. League is done. I'm starting a consulting firm in D.C. out of my basement. I've joined a friend's law firm to start practicing law again until I figure out what the heck is going to happen in the world, right? What's going to happen in our industry? And this opportunity presents itself, right? So this is great for me. I'm back in the game at a very high level when the rest of my friends and many of my friends, not only from the XFL, but from other parts of the industry, are looking for something and praying they can get back into sports and entertainment because there are no jobs to be found because everything had shut down. So I get not only to join NASCAR, which is one of the top sports leagues in the world, but to go to one of the best markets in the country to bring back a track that had been closed for 10 years, to bring the highest level of competition back to that market for the first time in 40 years. And then we end up doing that in a way that causes many detractors inside our industry and outside to say we killed it, that's the best thing I ever did in my career. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's the best thing I've ever done in my career. Yeah. Um, and, wow. and, and I say it wasn't just me because it took a whole lot of people to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm 15 months into this industry. You know, I'm still learning and, um, and have been very fortunate to have a lot of people who have poured into me, uh, both at NASCAR proper, at Dover, and throughout the industries. So when you got the opportunity, why were you so confident that you can get the job done? And then what, what do you pull from that, you know, let you believe that, you know what, okay, this is 15 months has gone by, we've done great, but the next 15 years, what gives you the confidence that you're the guy? Uh, failure's not an option. I'm not accustomed to it, nor do I ever plan to become accustomed to it. You know, I had run multiple venues in Washington, D.C., two different campuses that hosted sports entertainment. 
NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Events. This is one building. I sold tickets. So you saying, so basically you're saying this is easy. I'm saying it's not easy, but 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 I'm not unfamiliar with the task at hand. The business elements are the same. Right. You promote the events, you sell tickets, you sell sponsorship, you sell hot dogs and beer and parking, you go out in the community, you become a beloved organization uh, inside the community, you make certain you're keeping all your stakeholders happy. Like I've I've seen this movie before. I've been in it before. What I what was new was the context, and that was motorsports and NASCAR in particular. Right. And I don't say this to be immodest, but I'm a quick study. Right. Okay. So let me ooh, let me do this ooh, one more second, Rocco. Let me let me do this real quick. Yeah. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Okay. Because you're gonna give up your secret. Because it's still competition. Like you're competing against Daytona. Mm-hmm. Right. You're competing against what Charlotte. Right. Yeah. And some and obviously some others. Right. What are the other presidents missing? Like, you're curating experience for people to come out to the track, have a phenomenal Mm -hmm. time. And it's not just the fans, but it's also the teams, it's the drivers, it's the crew, it's everybody, it's media, right? You're a disruptor in this space. Give me something, and and, and I know it's putting you in a spot, because I know you don't want the people around to know what you're thinking. (laughs) It is, okay. Um, (laughs) We're one year in. Mm It was an inaugural year. You almost write that success off. Mm-hmm. People were starving it's for different. what we were bringing them. They were starving for it. Let me get two, three, four years in. That's what I was going to ask. See if we can stay at that level or exceed that level. We're the smallest track on the circuit. I got 
25,000 permanent seats in our grandstand. We added another 15,000, almost 16,000 to bring us up to 40,000. Sold that out, sold everything out for our cup race. Pleased to do that. But it's still early, you know? Time Let's out, see how time year two out. goes. I gotta stop you. I'm putting you on the spot. Kappa Alpha Psi. Indeed. Up, <laughs> Indeed. Yo, yo, yo. Oh, y'all got a secret yeah. handshake. Yeah, 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 we, yeah, we, we didn't do it. My frat, my frat, yo, yo, to the window. It's going to get us all in trouble. It's going to get us all in trouble. To the sweat drop down, mom. You're not supposed to change. Me, me. All right. I'm losing my mind right now. Get back on track. I hear all of that. Yeah. But Steve Jobs, and I'm not comparing you. I'm not trying to put you I'm not going to do that. But just Steve Jobs had a vision, and he was disruptive. He said this could be different. Elon Musk, this is different. Kanye West, this is this is different. Steve Phelps, we can do things a little different. I got office 2018. So same thing with you. Okay, so I get that, and I love that, and that's the best approach, and it's the right approach, and that's the only way, and you're right. But you gotta tell me something like, I know there's something that you that's up here that you're like, yo, we can curate this a little different. An outsider's perspective, I think, is helpful. This is a tradition-rich sport, mm -hmm. and I think that's important. So I'm not looking to disrupt the tradition in all ways. I'm looking to embrace the tradition, but sprinkle a little something extra on it. Mm. I said in my first conversation with Steve Phelps, before I even took the job, he was gracious enough to have, I think we talked for 45 minutes, um, and he told me where the sport was and what the plans were and all that kind of stuff, and it made me feel very comfortable about joining the sport. I said to him, you may say I'm crazy, and if I am, please tell me now, because I'm going to keep saying this until somebody tells me I'm crazy. I want our race week to have the cultural importance of the Kentucky Derby, the Final Four, the Super Bowl. I want people to come to Nashville for an entire week. I want them to look at their Instagram and go, why was Ludacris in Nashville last weekend? <laughs> why, why, why was Bam Adebayo in, in Nashville last weekend? They were there for a NASCAR race? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why they were there. Right. Right? So I'm looking to do those kinds of things. And I'm not the first person to think these thoughts or, or do this kind of stuff. And my colleagues all over the country do fantastic work. And the folks here in Charlotte in particular, every time I come to this venue, I get venue envy. Um, but, but, but we're all trying to do the same thing. We have to make certain that our core fans continue to feel like we're delivering to them the sport that they have grown up with and that they love. But we also have to bring new people under the tent. We got to bring in more people like any other business. You have to bring more fans and more customers into it so that you can survive and thrive. And that's what I'm kind of focused on. And so I'm not creating anything. I'm not a genius. I'm not creating anything new. I have people who have been willing to say to me, no, that's not crazy. You should, you should try to do that. And it's going to take a minute. And we have a great sponsor for our cup race, an ally, um, who I likes to them. do. I love I mean, them. The I love them. You know why? Because the banking industry, like for people like us, man, we need to be, I'm being serious. <laughs> and this is not just, and it's not because you're here and I'm trying to show you True. love and your sponsor love. But, man. They're a disruptor. So they get it. They get it. They get it. And it's accessible, it's easy, it's no headaches. Yes. Right? And they also teach. Mm. Educate. Gotta have right, the right partners. So, so that, if there is a, there's not a secret sauce, but, it, but if I bring anything to the table that would be different than if they had hired somebody who had been in the industry for 10 or 20 years, 
is that I look at this thing a little bit differently because I'm not tied to what happened last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I'm bringing my lived experiences and, and my opinions and what I think is right to it and tempering that with, hey, Steve, Phelps, hey, Steve O'Donnell, hey, Brandon Thompson, hey, you know, Greg Walter at, at CMS, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Wow. And they're, yeah, you know, gracious enough that. to tell me what they think about it. And you talking about this, and this is something I get a Rocco Lug, we talked about this before, you know, you came and you talked about the diversity, the, the, the difference, the difference in the crowd that you want to see. What is a black NASCAR fan in your mind? I mean, a NASCAR fan who happens to be black uh, is a black NASCAR fan. That's it. Um, The best way I can answer, so I think the underlying question really is, what is a NASCAR fan? Yeah. And I have said to people for a while that there is something different about this sport and its relationship with its fans that I have not been able to articulate in a way that is sufficient. Mm. And I was talking Mm. to somebody who was in the business, happened to be an African-American man for about 20 years, and we were chatting, and he said, it's a way of life. And I thought, mm. like, that's what it is. Yeah. It's a way of life. I think that because we were maybe excluded from this sport at some point in its history, should not be confused with whether or not we had an appreciation for the sport. There was a time, mm. years, you can read about the Indianapolis 500 and how you know, black race car drivers participated there until they couldn't anymore. Right. We've been involved in every sport. That the, we, we are involved in everything this country has ever done, mm. ever. And so to say that there aren't black NASCAR fans, well, who are the people that I see wearing the Chase Elliott shirts and wearing mm. the Bubba Wallace shirts, the 2311 shirts at the track who are telling me about last year in Darlington, so and so did X, Y and Z thing. I think we're there. We're not there in the way and in the numbers that we are in stick and ball sports. Right. But we're going to change that. Every sport has its fans that love it and that come out and spend, you know, inordinate amounts of time, energy, and money on following their sport of choice. But this is different, man, and it's different in a way that is palpable. You know, we had probably 1,100 RV campers out at our place. People come out on a Wednesday and stay till Monday. They basically are living at your track <laughs> for four or five days. What other sport do they do that in? Right? I take my golf cart out every morning just to see what's going on and visit with our fans and, and all of that. And I'm seeing the same people walking around the perimeter road of the track doing their morning exercise. You know, when you're in the grandstands, you feel that family kind of thing. If I had a dollar for every time one of my friends, most of whom were, were, were people of color, said to me, oh, we came to the track, we sat in the grandstands. Yeah. And you wouldn't believe it, man. This white family behind us just like adopted us. Yeah. They were offering us food. They're explaining the stage breaks. They're trying to explain to us, you know, see how the Toyotas move together. Look at how the Fords move. Look at this team and that team. It really felt like a different experience. It's different, man. And it's different in a, in a way that's special and that I think anybody, black, white, Asian, Latino, otherwise, will want to be a part of that once they have the opportunity to feel it. That's where you come in. How so. are you making them feel that? First of all, it can't be really hard to sell NASCAR in Nashville. Right. I think of Nashville, I think of country music. I think of NASCAR. Every major artist we've had almost in a NASCAR race, every year I've been there has been a country music artist. Yep. If Nashville is country music, it shouldn't be hard to sell that there. So I feel like those fans were there, but as far as a new fan who never had NASCAR on their radar, 
didn't know it exists, I feel like how do you cater to them and create the excitement for them to want to be a part of what you have going on at Nashville? Look, our, our whole sport is, is wrestling with that, mm -hmm. with that task and that objective right now. You know, one of the ways is to go through what you guys went through with Dale Jr. Mm -hmm. It's an on-track experience. It's an in-car experience. Yeah. There is nothing <laughs> that will give you an appreciation for what the man or woman and the machine have to do to compete the way they compete on the racetrack than being in a car doing 170 miles an hour on a bank track. And your brain trying to figure out, why is the axle not breaking when he's going into a turn at 160 why isn't the car splitting apart? When we go up the banking, why doesn't the car tumble down? Like your brain is trying to make sense of all that kind of stuff. You get out of that car, I know somebody had a different appreciation yeah. for who was the athlete and who wasn't. <laughs> because the hand-eye yes. coordination, yes. Yes. the stamina, the reflexes, the mental focus that it takes to do that for four hours with 39 other cars around you and a guy hundreds of yards away on the top of a tower with binoculars telling you you're clear on the left, you're clear on the right. It's unbelievable what these guys do. Yes. It's yep. unbelievable. And if you are someone who appreciates talent, wherever you find it, mm -hmm. you will find a lot of it in our sport. You just need to be exposed to it. And it's my job and NASCAR's job and all of my colleagues and counterparts at other tracks around the, world, around the country. It's their job to expose as many people to it as possible. I was going to ask about the track experience over the race. Yeah. That was another one of my questions. Like, yeah. you, you, you're, you're, you, you want to give the fan experience. As Rocco was telling me, like, yeah. mm -hmm. the fan experience is one thing, the, yeah, the cars have, are another I, thing. I have nothing to do with what happens on the track. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the scariest thing. Like, leading up to the race, all these people telling me, your track sucks. The racing is follow the leader, which means it's, you know, once whoever's in the front, everybody's just following one line. There's not multiple grooves. Nobody's going to be able to pass. It's going to be boring as hell. And I'm that. going, I can't do shit about that. It's like, well, I don't control the competition. So I'm calling O'Donnell and those guys all the time, like, please, whatever you got to do. Like, please. Because if the first race is boring, after all that pent up demand for a cup racing coming back and it's a snoozer, Maybe you, maybe you succeed year two, but maybe you lose them and it's gone. I don't think you'll be ever a snoozer in Nashville because it's just such a fun place and everyone likes going there. But then that the requires event. the fan experience yep. to, to feed that, yep. not the racing. Mm -hmm. But we got four wide uh, on Sunday. Mm -hmm. We got four wide and, you know, Kyle was decimating the, the, the pack. But, you know, what are we going to do about that? Well, B, to this conversation, though, because we asked earlier, why with all your education did you go towards the NASCAR where you are now. What's your experience with NASCAR growing up, coming through, mm -hmm. coming through life? So I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say, <laughs> having done one year of high school in Greensboro, North Carolina, four years of undergrad in Chapel Hill, three years of law school in Durham, I didn't know the entire industry was here in Charlotte. Like I, <laughs> right. I, I didn't know. Right. Um, and that's honest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's real. I, I didn't know. Now, I know a little bit about a lot of sports. And, and so I knew about the King. I knew about some of the other bigger names. You know, I, I knew I had never watched a race. Mm -hmm. I watched the highlights on ESPN. And I had never been to a racetrack until October of 2019 for the Drydeen uh, 400 at Dover International Speedway. I was still with the XFL. 
and I was going to see a NASCAR race because I wanted to steal good ideas <laughs> from my XFL team mm. because I had always heard NASCAR is great at sponsor activation and fan engagement. Wow. And so I went, oh, okay, we're going to go up the road and see how they do it so we can see what we can copy and bring to the mm. XFL and to my team. And I got there, man, and, and I was surprised from the very beginning. The fan zone was more diverse than I thought it was. It was browner than I thought, younger, more female than I thought it would be. When I went into the pits, I met a young man who asked me, was I with the XFL? I had XFL pullover on. Mm -hmm. I went, yeah. And he said, you run the DC team, don't you? And I went, yeah, how do you know that? He's a former college football player who came through the Drive for Diversity program and had been put on mm -hmm. a pit crew. Right. And so that blew my mind that they were re actively recruiting athletes, college athletes, to come into pit crews, right? right? And I knew a lot of them were gonna look like us mm -hmm. because, you know, we do those things. <laughs> So, so that was interesting. And one of the most moving things that I ever saw, I'm walking onto the track and there's a very stereotypical kind of central casting couple, old white couple. Man was very tan, skin was almost leathery, same thing with his, with his wife. And they look like what we would naturally think NASCAR fans look like. And I look more closely and he's holding a child's hand. The child was probably a five-year-old little brown boy. His wife is holding the hand of a little brown girl who were clearly their grandkids. Wow. And I'm like, oh, 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 okay. That, okay, this is not what I thought it was. Like, this is a, this is a different thing than what right. people have been saying it is, at least in some respect, right? right? And so, since then, man, the more I learn about the sport, the more I find more of us. Everybody likes fast, man. <laughs> right, Everybody likes right, fast. Right. You know? Everybody right. likes fast. You know? so, so I think there is more to it, and I think the more we expose people to our sport, the more, more new fans will see, get. See, to me, that's the superpower. When I asked you earlier to get messy and give up your secret sauce, and you, st you didn't <laughs> give up your secret sauce, hearing you speak now and, and going through that story and that experience of walking up to that couple holding the little brown boy, little brown girl's hands, to me, you know, all of that is your superpower because, you know, it's like even in media right now for us, we're disruptive because we're not taking a traditional approach, right? right? And I love what you said earlier, it's like embrace your tradition and, and, and sprinkle a little bit on it, but like when you come in from a different space and you appreciate the sport and you want to sprinkle a little bit onto it, you know, you have an opportunity to do things a little differently, and that's disruption, right? To me, that is your superpower, is, is, is being able to come in and, and, and see it from a different perspective through a different lens. And I'm excited to see it, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> it, look, if I have any superpower, it, it is being able to ignite a passion about things that right. I'm curious about. And this sport is one of those. And hopefully people feel that passion when I talk about it because it's real and it's authentic. And I love this sport and right. I have a lot more to learn, but I want to share that with people. Right. So how do we do that? Like, because South Carolina, UNC, right? And then you were at the XFL, you came over. And the same thing for, for, for me, it's like, Ah, that's not my thing. I grew right. up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then I just happened to go to Daytona 500, heard the car start up, driver start your engine. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what is this? And I was blown away, right? That's one of my favorite things to do. And I was like, I started leaning in more. So how are you going to get more, how are you going to reach new audiences to lean in more? Like, what are you thinking there? You got to fish where the fish are, right? So we have to take 
that passion, those descriptions, those kinds of experiences to the people who need them in order to give us a chance. And so what we did this past year was our Xfinity race on Saturday, June 19th, <laughs> happened to be Juneteenth, mm. right? Was that intentional? Uh, well, NASCAR set the schedule, so no, it just kind of it just kind of happened. There, right? Yeah, and not to mention, you know, most people just learned about what Juneteenth yeah, exactly. is <laughs> yeah. within the last twelve months or sixteen months. Right, right. 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 Let's celebrate. Right. Let's get T-shirt day off. So, yeah, I didn't know what Juneteenth was growing up in New Jersey. Right. I had never heard of Juneteenth. Right. Um, but we we did a partnership with Tennessee State University, HBCU in Nashville. We brought out. 120 of their alums. We put them on buses in downtown Nashville, brought them out to the track. We gave them Slim and Husky's Pizza. Slim and Husky's was started by TSU grads who happened to be African-American men, two of them are frat brothers. Right. Gave them coupons to get uh, Uncle Nearest Premium Whiskey, Uncle Nearest Black-owned Premium Whiskey Company, the right. most awarded premium whiskey in the world over the last three or four years, run by a husband and wife duo out of Shelbyville, Tennessee, and got them a chance to beat Bubba and be in the pits and have the full experience. Right. And I would say 99.9% .9 of them had never been to a race before. And to a person, they all said they were coming back next year. Mm -hmm. See, I love that. Mm -hmm. When I sit down That's with, uh, when I sit down with our guys, man, the, the suits at NASCAR, <laughs> I'm like, look, I am athlete, NASCAR is dope. It's phenomenal. But really, to take it to another, to another level, we have to activate the track, mm -hmm. and that's what you're doing, right? But it's like every track, like we want to reach new audiences. But my experience in NASCAR was when I came, NASCAR rolled out the red carpet for me because I'm Brandon Marshall, mm -hmm. the NFL player, mm -hmm. right? But if it was my like my uncle Clinton, or if it was you, Channing, right? Well, sorry, Channing. You know, like you have the same access. Well, I, I rode the Brandon Marshall train. And I had a good time. <laughs> well, but, but I brought you in. But what I'm saying is, what, what, basically, what I'm saying no is, shame. like, let's yeah. say if it's uh, if it's my cousin Blair, mm -hmm. cousin Blair, cousin Blair, come. I want to go to a race. He's not gonna know where to park. He, it's he's not gonna know where credentials is. Correct. He's not gonna know where the tunnel is and how many are there and how to get in there. That's right. He's not gonna know where pit road is. That's he's right. not gonna know where these haulers are here and what they're doing. TV does not do it justice. That's right. You have to come and see it and then you will be hooked. Like but, I, but it's not just see it. No, it's experience also. But it. it's like what you just did. Experience right? it. You only made one made one bad mistake. You said you came, you brought them in on buses. <laughs> oh. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, too soon. Was 2020 was just, I mean, I mean, damn, we talking about diversity, we talking about bringing them in on buses. Wait, I'm see. messing with you. We were sitting in the front. I mean, I mean, like, that's the most efficient way. Where they sitting at? Look, the problem with that experience is, right. It's not really scalable. That's right. And we need to scale those experiences by the thousands, mm. not by the dozens. Right. Mm. And so, you know, I've talked to our colleagues at NASCAR about how we do that. Is it simulators that we use to get to simulate what it feels like to be in the car? I think the next gen car with the cameras on board and all that will help some. I, I used to, I, I didn't hear you guys talk to Bubba about this, but he was at some race. It may have been Daytona, I can't remember. He's driving, there's an accident in front of him. The car flips in front of him and is tumbling in the air towards his car. 
like a video game. Oh, on the race, at the race. Yeah, oh, during the race. Was that zero four hundred? It's flipping towards him, and he does this, and gets out of it and unscathed. Mm -hmm. Like I, I said to people, that should be every commercial that we yeah. run, especially in diverse communities and with younger people, yes. because it looks like a video game. Yes, it's right. But it's a real person avoiding go. a wreck. There you go. You know what's crazy? I'm so glad there you brought you that up. I interviewed Bubba after Talladega, and I brought that back up. To me, he has like, that's like a, that's like one of his superpowers, where it's like, he's so calm in that space. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't know this, because I'm not like really a yeah. gamer like that, but that was, that jumped out to me. We're trying to get the esports generation into this sport. That was interesting. <laughs> how do to you me. connect with them? Well, I, I like, would have told I you. Asked that him, I said, how did, I said, how the hell did you get through those wrecks? Because he's a good driver. He's a good super speedway driver. That is a yeah, talent. Yeah. Right. Like right, some right. drivers are good at short tracks. Short tracks. Right. Some are good at intermediate. Right. Some are good at super speedways. Right. You know, and he has that talent. Like if you would have came at me at the racetrack and we we're playing a video game, who do I need to pick for a Talladega? You need to pick Bubba. Right. You need to pick uh, 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 Blaney. Right. You need to pick uh, uh, Kevin Harvick because right. they have that skill set that's right. been proven that they're good at handling this right. and gamers know that so that's how you can wow totally with you on how you relate via the game and, and they're doing that you know with their activation with iRacing and yeah. the video games at the track okay that's one part that's yep. one part okay cool but what about the the gnawing gamers so what's your ideas with the for the gnawing gamers i think we have to be about experiences you know it, it can't we can't so nascar to me is much like baseball I, yeah. I played baseball growing up. I wasn't as good as you guys were in your respective sports, but it was the only one I was half decent at. Right, right. There's so much going on on a baseball field that you can't see. Mm -hmm. There's a whole game happening between the pitcher and the catcher and the batter and the base runner, and who's trying to outguess whom? Is he sitting on a fastball? Is he waiting for a curveball? Is the runner going to run if it's a fastball, but not run if it's a curveball because that gets to the plate slower? All of this stuff is happening and you can't see it when you're watching television. You can't even see it when you're in, in venue, but you have to have played it mm, to know that's to know what's where happening. It's going. With us, you can't see what the driver is doing. It doesn't look like right, he's right, right. one-handed catch or you mossing somebody right, right, or you right. crushing somebody over the middle. It doesn't look the same way. Right. Like the, one of the things I always say, y'all got me fired up now. One of the things <laughs> I always say about our sport that makes it also hard is you get attention because of one or two things. You win or you wreck. Mm. If Bubba passes the crowd on lap 75 of a 400-lap race and takes the lead for 20 laps <laughs> and ends up 20th, he's not on SportsCenter. Mm -mm. That's right. you got to win or wreck. Mm -hmm. That makes it hard to bring new talent to the fore unless there's some personality going on, there's some off-the-track stuff that happens that causes us to buy into who that driver is right. and their story, and stories ultimately sell everything. Wow. So what you guys are doing and in interviewing Rowdy and Bubba and Steve and Daniel and Haley and all these people you've talked to, that helps to tell the stories. Right. And that's what's gonna pull young people in, that there are stories there. So leave me with one story. Give me, give me a, a cool story. So the most moving story for me in this role has been, and I came here to go to the Roval race in October of last year, had meetings here at NASCAR, and they said, you want to go through the Hall of Fame before, before the meeting started? And I went, yeah, heck yeah. I wanna, I've been reading about the sport. Mm -hmm. I want to see it. So Winston Kelly, who is the executive director of the, of the Hall of Fame, who has become a dear friend, took me through. It's COVID. We all got masks on and all that. I walk in. I see a black family, father mother and son. Son looks like a young teenager. I go, oh, that's cool. 
walking around, walking around. We go up to the second floor. The father comes up and he says, do you uh, run the track in Nashville? And I go, uh, yeah. I'm thinking, you know, somebody's punking me or something, right? <laughs> right. I had a mask on. <laughs> right. And I'm two months into the job, right. right? And he says, I thought that was you. My son noticed you as soon as you walked in because he follows you on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Wow. He went, can we take a picture? I'm like, absolutely. Can I take a picture with y'all? Right. Brings them over. We take a picture. Son's name is Harper Lucas. Harper and the Lucas family and I are still in contact, fast friends. Harper wants to be a commentator in NASCAR. Knows everything. Encyclopedic mm -hmm. knowledge about our sport. Wow. Knows everything about NASCAR. The whole pioneer thing and being the first, it's not important to me because I want to see my name in history books or any of that stuff. It's important because of Harper and kids like him think that there is anything that they can do in this sport that they want to do because they see somebody like me or like him or like Bubba or like Brianna Daniels or whoever it is, then that makes it worthwhile. Mm. I love it. I'm teary-eyed right now. <laughs> Why you about to make me cry on this show, boy? <laughs> <laughs> Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.